What's up, everybody? It's your boy, Corey. You know that. You're on Substack. You clicked it. I'm going to start over. What is going on, everybody? It's your boy, Corey Ryan Fartster. Jesus Christ. Okay, everybody. Welcome to Ask Corey Anything. I gave you all the prompt a while back in the Substack thread that you could ask me anything, and I'm not in any way disappointed with the response. A lot of really, really good questions, uh, some that I probably could take an entire podcast answering like one of them. So this is definitely going to be in a couple parts. Um, I thank y'all so much for tuning in. Y'all know I love uh, that you're so supportive of me, and for those of you that pay the uh, $5 a month, extra, extra thank you. Uh, but as you know, uh, if you're out there, you're going to get it all for free because that's the business model here. And I thank all of you for supporting that and uh, being understanding of wanting to let everybody have this even though they can't afford it. Uh, and as you know, if you don't like the monthly recurring payments, you can always do it PBS style by making a one-time donation. At uh, uh, You can go to PayPal and use buttercreamcory at gmail.com. You know what? Saying that out loud makes me think that we need a tote bag. We need a Substack tote bag for everybody that supports the show so that next time you go on your trip, you can uh, you can have your little PBS-style Corey Ryan Forster Substack tote bag. I'm going to hop on that, or I'm going to make my wife do that. She's, she's the crafty one in the bunch. She loves craft. Anyways, let's go. I'm, I'm doing these uh, in... Should I do them in recent order? Newest, no, we'll do oldest first. That makes the most sense so that you're rewarded for having gotten your question in first. All right, here we go. Colin McKenzie says, When are we going to see the Buttercream Dream again? That is my favorite comic character. Uh, first off, thank you, Colin. That, I mean, it's one of my favorite characters too. It literally changed my life. It was really crazy. You know how it went all, how it all went down. I'm sure some of y'all have heard me talk about this before, but like, when the pandemic first hit, I did not know what I was going to do with my career because the thing that I had done for so long for money was stand up and that was, uh, you know, not allowed. And uh, luckily, my love for pro wrestling sort of, you know, kind of guided me along and I came up with this character and I ended up not only surviving the pandemic, but I mean, literally becoming more popular out of it, which is crazy. And, and here's the reason that the Buttercream Dream hasn't shown up a lot. It's actually like a threefold answer. Um, so number one, when we went back on tour, like when the pa- I won't say when the pandemic was over because we all know that like that's it, it wasn't ever, <laughs> you know. But when it was time for us to go back on the road, I was like really, 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 really worried that people were going to because I, you know, I'd gained a lot of new fans. It, it wasn't like. People were coming to the shows, and they're like, oh, yeah, we've known Corey, and he also does the Buttercream Dream. There's a lot of people who only knew me as the Buttercream Dream, and I was so worried that they were going to show up to shows expecting me to do nothing but that on stage. And, like, you know, dude, that'd be if I could do that, I would do it. But, like, there's no way I could scream like that for 30 minutes to an hour. It just couldn't exist. And plus, like, my stand-up is, is different than that. I mean, obviously, like... The buttercream dream is like, you know, as Trey says with the liberal redneck, that's him turned up to 11. The buttercream dream is probably me turned up to 17. But it's just not, you know, I wanted that to be a separate thing. And so I was like, well, I better, you know, dial it back um, on the internet so that people remember that my my stand-up is different. But then I was like, okay, well, I can still throw this guy out there every now and then. And, uh, and so I would... 
And then, frankly, I got to be honest with you, there were several, like, I would do the buttercream dream so much, whether it be cameos, whether it be the videos, it took a damn toll on my throat, <laughs> you know, like, uh, it was hard to, it was hard to scream that much for that amount of time, but I don't think that was the, I don't think that was the main reason. Um, I, I really do think that, that the reason that he hasn't been around as much and I, I keep considering him bringing him back, like reading this question, maybe want to go cut a promo in the yard. And I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. I think it has to be a good thing, but like, I think the main reason that I don't do him as much is because I got therapy. <laughs> I know that's going to sound crazy, but like the buttercream dream was a very reactionary character. You know, I would read something in the news that upset me and I would immediately want to scream about it. Right. And so there's where I could channel all that rage through the buttercream dream. Now I'm not sitting here and telling you that because of therapy, I all of a sudden don't give a shit about the horrible atrocities committed in this country and this world. That's not it at all. It's just that I'm a less reactionary person. I look back at some of the old buttercream dream stuff, and while funny, I can totally tell that I was, like, struggling as a person, if that makes sense. I was drinking a lot more. Um, I blew off the handle very quickly, no matter what the subject. And again, like, I, I truly believe, not in everything, I've been wrong before, but I truly believe in some instances it was like, dude, that's righteous anger. Who cares? You should scream about that. You should be mad about that. And like, that's all well and good, and that's true. It's just that because of therapy, because of my medication, because I've had a kid, I'm just less inclined to let my blood pressure get up that much anymore, if that makes sense. And I think about it as being a possible deterrent to my career because, like, you know, I'm opening for Leslie Jones this weekend. Uh, if y'all want to come out and see us, we're at the Carolina Theater in Durham Friday night, and then Saturday we're at the Charleston Music Hall, and then June 24th I'll be with her in Nashville at the James K. Polk Theater. And Leslie 100% discovered me because of the Buttercream Dream. Like, the reason that she... You know, started following me because she saw the Buttercream Dream videos. The reason that she had me come on the MTV Movie Awards with her is because she liked the Buttercream Dream character. And um, now, granted, that's not why our friendship has persisted. You know, we like each other as people. But, like, I think about that and all the opportunities that I got with the Buttercream Dream. And just to, like, throw that aside is insane. And I do want to bring him back. But, like, I don't know if I want to be that angry anymore. You know, like, again, even if I believe I'm right or I'm saying the right thing, I just like, I don't know, man. It's it's a really, it's a, it's a predicament that not just with the buttercream dream, but with everything that I do that I think about almost every day, which is like, there's so many things that you should scream about, but I'm in the middle of doing my breathing techniques and I'm in the middle of doing a nature walk to calm myself down. And I'm trying so hard to have less of a temper because I want to have a better relationship with my family. And I want to be a great dad to my son. And I don't want, you know, him. 
I I don't want my son to learn from the guy that I was two or three years ago. I was a, I, I do believe I was a good guy, but I but I had uh, I had anger issues, and you know, not, I mean, just to get you know full disclosure here, like my depression and anxiety were horrible, and they leaked over into my anger issues and my attitude and. And you know when it wasn't all the time, I am a very, like, you know, what you see with me is normally what you get. I am a very happy-go-lucky guy, and, and for the most part, I'm like that all the time. But it would bottle up, it would bottle up, it would bottle up. And then, you know, fucking, I don't know, Bill O'Reilly would say some dumb shit. I'd had three or four beers, next thing you know, I'm in the yard screaming. And I don't drink as many beers now, and... I try not to scream as much, and it's one of those where, like, i got to somehow separate the art from the artist in here and, like, be able to find it without it actually affecting my personality and my mental health. But, like, I just haven't been able to do that uh, for a while. And it's the same thing with, I mean, a lot of the other characters that I do. Like, I'm just more the type of person now who counts to ten and breathes before I say anything, usually, and then maybe by the t- and that's the that's the bullshit thing about how media is consumed in our country and how entertainment is is that like if you wait to say something we're on to the next thing you know what I mean and it's like oh that's old news buddy and then too saying that out loud makes me feel gross about the whole thing because it's like hey these are real world difficulties that people are facing not fodder for your fucking career you know so. I do want to bring the buttercream dream back. I damn sure do. And I think maybe I just have to find a new angle with him. You know, the first iteration of the buttercream dream that I had thought of in my head had nothing to do with politics, nothing to do with any of that. It was going to be a YouTube series called Wrestling With My Emotions, and it was going to be me, the buttercream dream, uh, talking about depression and cutting promos on depression and anxiety. And what's ironic about that is like, that is, I wanted to do that before I had actually even gotten help for anxiety and depression, which is so crazy. Looking back on it, man, it, like, I don't know what in the name of God took me so long to get the help that I needed. And I say that because you kind of understand it when someone doesn't realize that they have depression or anxiety or they're like in huge denial of it. You know, there's a lot of people I know that like, I know for a fact, I can tell they're my buddies and I know that they're struggling with some of the thing, thing, same things I'm struggling with, but they won't admit it. And that's fine. That's everybody to each their own, you know, but it's one thing to literally not think anything's wrong with you because of, you know, cultural norms or how we grew up and not get help. But I clearly knew I needed help. I'm sitting there self-diagnosing myself. I ended up being correct. But I was self-diagnosing myself with mental illness to the point that I'm like, I'm going to do a video series on breaking the stigma of mental illness. Yet I didn't actually take any of the correct and necessary steps to get help for it. And now I have. So now that I have, maybe, actually, I'm a little bit more qualified to talk on the subject, and I'm less of a charlatan, a depression charlatan, as it is. So, yeah, you've inspired me, uh, Colin. I'm going to figure out a way to bring the guy back. But, again, every... And, I I mean, you know, I've talked to you all a lot on here about how, like, and it's just something I have to deal with and accept. Like, I do think that, in a way... Getting my mental health in order has affected my career in certain ways. 
you know. Um, there's something to be said about when you're anxious all the time that you will get a lot of shit done because you're scared that if you don't get a lot of shit done, everybody's leaving you behind. And I'm a lot more, you know, I wouldn't say content now, but I do prioritize my happiness over everything. And sometimes that scares me because I'm like, you're you're not getting enough done because you're fulfilled at home. That's and, and and it's so fucked up that we live in a world where that's what I just said is a bad thing. You know what I mean? Uh, but it can be in my career. Um, but at the same time, I don't regret it at all because I'm in a better place now than I ever have been. You know, I'm a better husband to my wife. Um, she would probably never admit that I was not a great husband. And I and I've listen. I've always worshipped the ground she walked on, and I've always tried my best to be a good husband, but. You can't possibly be a good anything unless you are the best version of yourself. Unless you're treating, unless you're taking care of yourself, you're not going to be as good as, like, I can't have been as good of a husband back when I was depressed and anxious all the time. It's impossible. I did try my hardest, but, like, you know, sometimes it's true that you do have to um, put the uh, oxygen mask on yourself first before assisting others with theirs, you know? Like that sounds crazy, but like it's true, dude. If you if you're not if if you're not okay, it's really hard for you to help everybody else out. So I won't bring him back. I just gotta figure out the right avenue. Hell, I may go cut a promo as the buttercream dream as soon as I stop recording here. Well, that took me ten minutes to answer that one question. I told y'all this is gonna have to come in parts. All right, next, Mike Smith wants to know: Is a hot dog a sandwich, Mike? This question was actually the inspiration for me making a hot dog sandwich earlier today. I posted it on Twitter just to piss everybody off. We had a bunch of leftover hot dogs for Memorial Day, and um, I didn't have no hot dog buns, but I had hamburger buns, so I cooked me two hot dogs, and I chopped them up into little cubes, and I put them on the, uh, I put all the stuff that you put on a hot dog onto that and edit, and here's the thing, it tasted exactly like a hot dog, because a hot dog bun and a hamburger bun are the same thing, you know, and so I, I think, like, I don't know, I refuse to look up the technical definition of a sandwich, but I have to assume it is ingredients between two pieces of bread, right? And I think it's impossible to argue that a hot dog does not fall in that category. Now, you could say, okay, Corey, well, but the hot dog isn't two pieces of bread. It's one piece of bread. Okay, it's a piece of... It's two It's two pieces of bread with a fucking door hinge in the middle of it. You know what I mean? We're getting into semantics here. But at the same time, if you call a hot dog a sandwich, then it's like, is a taco a sandwich? And I'm like, I don't know. Ask the Mexicans. Maybe they intended that to be a sandwich. Maybe to them that is a sandwich. You know what I mean? All I know is, with a hot dog, all you have to do to like technically make it a sandwich is just slice the back half, the, the gooch, the slice the gooch of the hot dog, and boom, it is a sandwich. So I think that this is like the biggest debate on the internet ever. And I think that maybe the answer is just a hot dog is a hot dog. But earlier, I made a hot dog sandwich, and I thought it was very good. But again, tasted exactly like a hot dog. Um, but whatever your answer is, I think this is one of those that whatever your answer is, you are 100% 
Correct. Uh, I would like to point out that Jack Smith commented on on Mike Smith's, I hope y'all are brothers, is hot dog a sandwich? He said, no, frowny face. And Sherry Patterson said, great question, Mike. Yes, meat, although questionable meat content, between bread equals sandwich. Looking forward to what Corey says on this one. Well, there you go, Sherry. Uh, That's what I have to say on that one. Lauren Ingram says, what has surprised you the most about parenthood? That is a great question. Honestly, a couple things jump straight to mind. Number one being, and I'm very, very aware that this is uh, purely anecdotal because all babies are different, but I 100% thought that there would be more screaming. We have what I am told is just a fantastic baby. He sleeps all the way through the night. He only cries when it's like, you know, he's hungry, and then it's like we feed him and that's rectified, or he has a dirty diaper, we change it, and that's rectified. You know what I mean? Like, there's not been a moment where we were just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And I thought that would be almost the entire experience, you know, and probably because, and my wife thought this too, and that's probably because all of our knowledge of children comes from other people, you know, complaining about them or seeing them in movies. And like, you know, I think people, we live in a pessimistic society. So like people are more naturally inclined to complain about something than they are to just out of nowhere, uh, brag about something that's great. Like, People, if their kids are going crazy, they're like, oh, these fucking kids, I swear to God. But if you're sitting there hanging out with them, enjoying a nice meal, they're not just going to randomly go, I swear, my child is so good. Because that's not how we work as a society. We talk about the negative all the time. That's all we do. Another thing is that I thought 100% that I was going to be grossed out by his poo-poo. Everybody used to tell me, Hey, oh, don't worry. When it's yours, you won't care. And I just didn't believe that at all, y'all. Poo-poo grosses me out. I don't like it. I don't like poo-poo. I, listen, I changed my niece's diaper because I help out, you know. But any, but if I could get out of it, I wouldn't do it because it grossed me out. And I was like, I was like, no, listen, I love LJ as much as I could ever love anything. So if hers grosses me out, then his is going to gross me out too. And like, Okay, the first time he did it, yeah, the smell was horrible, but like I got right in there, didn't care, rolled up my sleeves, got poop on them sleeves, you know, but now like it's absolutely nothing for me to just like I change his diaper all the time. Like, you know, I just I really thought that I was gonna like eventually get in trouble with my wife about how many times I punted on changing his diaper, how many times I passed the buck, or just, like, was conveniently in the other room whenever he took a shit, but, like, no, dude, like, it, you know, I'll, if, if I'm the closest to him, like, I'll just do it, because I want it to get over with, so we can carry on about our day, but, like, yeah, his poop doesn't gross me out at all, matter of fact, <laughs> this is gonna be gross, <laughs> this is gonna be so gross, but you know how, like, you don't mind your own farts, like, your particular brand, it's, it's fine with you. Matter of fact, you kind of like it. Well, I think since his is sort of my brand too, you know, there's a little bit of that going on. It's familiar poop. You know what I'm saying? I'm proud of him. When he takes a big one, I'm just like, you got it, boy. Come here. Ooh, that stinks. That's a good stink, boy. You know, I don't know. That just, it just doesn't, none of that shit bothers me. He spits up in my face and I don't give a shit. Don't bother me at all. Like he, he spit up in me and Amber, both our mouths. 
don't care. Like, it's totally fine. And, and, you know, if somebody else's kid spit up in my mouth or shit on my hand, probably wouldn't hit for me. But, yeah, with him, you know, zero problem whatsoever. Um, I'm also surprised. And, again, you know, he's only, he's right at three months old. I'm certain this is going to change. But I, I have been surprised at how me and Amber have only asked my parents to watch him once while we went on a date. And it was just, we went, I wanted to go see Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Um, and if I just kind of have a rule with Marvel movies where I have to see him in theaters, because I think that's the best way to enjoy a big movie like that. Like, there's plenty of other movies me and Amber want to see, but I'm like, yeah, we'll just wait till it comes out on video on video jesus christ <laughs> when it starts streaming that way we can just stay home with the kid and watch it but that was like ah, we gotta go and this and my mom had been begging absolutely begging for me and amber to leave the kid over there so she could have unlimited hugs and cuddles and yada yada um but i'm very surprised that like we haven't wanted to do that more you know like we there's not one part of me that wants to go drop the kid off and go to a bar. I know it'll happen. Um, but I'm I'm really a homebody, man. I mean, you know, all my buddies, I, I told them before we had the kid, they're like, oh, your life's going to change forever. And I was like, yeah, I don't, I mean, you guys know me. I don't, li- I don't go out with y'all. I don't go, listen, I said on an earlier podcast that like the people I like to surround myself with nowadays have my last name or my wife's last name. I like to just hang out with family. I have buddies Right, but we only see each other in certain situations, and that is this: like my my buddy Rob, he is my trainer, so I go to his house to work out. Now, granted, haven't done that since the baby has come. I'm going tomorrow for the first time uh, to work out with Rob since the baby. I've I've been keeping up a little bit doing the as I call them the the glams and gams, just doing my arms, my chest, and my and my legs. Um, but like, that's when we see each other. You know what I mean? Like we're not going to the bars. Me and my buddy, Chris, we do try to at least once a month, go get a sandwich. Um, or he'll just, but now he'll just come over here and see the baby. And my other buddies, we only see each other on the golf course. And that's not cause I don't like anybody. It's just that I don't like hanging out unless it's like at my house or on the golf course. So like sincerely, yeah, my life has been forever changed in the sense that, I now truly understand what love is. I truly understand what unconditional love is. I truly understand what it means to be terrified every day of my life. But, like, from a social standpoint, my life hasn't changed at all, nor have I wanted now that I'm cooped up at the house. And it's like, oh, well, used to. I like being at the house, but it's like I had the option to leave, and now I don't. Like, I dude, I don't give a shit. This baby has given me a permanent excuse to not do any of the things that I already didn't want to do, and uh, I'm all for it. I think those are the top three things that have surprised me about the uh, the child situation. All right, let's go to the next one. Oh, this is a fun one from Joe Arson. Joe, if I'm saying that wrong, I'm so sorry. Uh, that's just how my hillbilly brain sounds out your name. Do you have a contract or appearance rider? If so, what's on it? If not, what would be on it? Uh, yes, I do. And for those of you that don't speak the uh, uh, entertainment parlance or lingo, an appearance rider is the thing that's in your contract that, you know, it's like a guarantee, like, hey, in, in my dressing room, you know, we'll have this and blah, 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 blah. Now, 
the stories that you hear about those, like the we can only have green M&Ms and like all the crazy stuff, like Casey Musgraves. And by the way, I'm not faulting her for it. As soon as I'm more famous, I'll do this. Um, I did a show with Casey Musgraves, or we all did, um, in Telluride. And we were hanging out back in the green room and stuff, and all of a sudden, like, we just saw a bunch of dogs roll up. And then we went outside, and we saw this dude um, riding a couple, like, Labradoodles on a, a golf cart. And we were like, oh, are these your dogs? And he was like, no, they're uh, Casey Musgraves. And we were like, oh, that's cool that she brings her dogs. And he's like, oh, no, no, these aren't her dogs. It's just that on her rider, she requests that there be dogs for her to play with in her green room. And I was like, fuck yeah, man. That is awesome. That's a level I want to be at. Don't get me wrong. Um, there's plenty of venues we play that would totally do that for us, but I just don't find us to be uh, popular enough to pull that off without looking like a couple of dickheads. And frankly, I don't know if y'all know this, but the whole green M&Ms thing is not really about people wanting to be particular. It's about them wanting to see if the venue paid attention to their rider. So it's like, there because there's certain things, it's like, you're not being a dickhead for asking for, like, you need them. So they would put the green M&M thing on there, so if they walked in the green room, or whatever, that where their dressing room or whatever, and they saw a bowl of green M&Ms, they would know, okay, they read the rider, we're good, right? So we don't have any of those, um, but in our rider... What we have is we need a, a a tray of fruit and a vegetable tray, and that is mainly because we don't eat like right before the shows or really even during the shows. Um, we usually eat like if we have a show at seven thirty, for instance, our cutoff for eating would be like two thirty or three. You eat at two thirty or three. And then you don't eat again until after the show. We need four hours to digest, make sure everything gets where it needs to go. And you just don't want to, you just don't want to do stand up on a full stomach. You're weighed down. You're just kind of sluggish. So we like to be a little hungry. You know what I mean? However, every now and then, like you will need a little bite or something to get your sugar back up. And like fruit, if you just eat a couple pinches of fruit every now and then, it's not going to make you feel sluggish. It's refreshing. Um, you know, a couple vegetables with some ranch. Uh, and then also for right after the show, when we're done, you know, we can plow through that and we, you know, it's like, we're like, oh, it's, we're eating fruit and vegetables. We feel better about ourselves, but we eat all of the fruit, which has so much sugar in it. And then all of the ranch that the vegetables came with. So those are two things that we have to have. Um, also, uh, and, and we, and I don't use it as much as we should, but we have hot tea and stuff on there. That's for our throats. We had to implement that around like year three of the tour because uh we just you know we were getting older our, our throats were getting older and they were being more affected by doing multiple shows a week and uh i had i've, I've always had in my act at least a couple of like sort of broadway sing-songy bits and like i've got it you know my throat gets wrecked so we've got the hot tea in there and um we always request whatever their local we used to, well, we used to say, hey, we want whatever the popular local beers are, because we were like, yeah, we'll support local, whatever. Well, what happened really quick, and this is not any venue's fault, this is just how the, the beer world is kind of trending, that ended up meaning IPAs, because apparently every brewery now, like, they're pushing the IPAs hard, even their lager tastes like an IPA, and, uh, I, I quit drinking IPAs when I got gout. <laughs> I know you're supposed to quit drinking entirely, but I got gout and I decided, hey, if this is about a buildup of uric acid 
and alcohol creates uric acid, I bet the high test alcohol creates more uric acid, so I'm just going to quit drinking IPAs and instead drink Miller Lite. And, you know, um, literally haven't had a gout flare-up since, and that was like four years ago. I've had close. I've had where it started hurting, and I was like, well, you better ease back, but nothing really serious, so like... I don't know, you know, kind of works. Granted, now I don't, the only time I'm drinking is at the show. So we're just like, yeah, Miller Lite or whatever's, you know, just a domestic, cheap, stupid bottle of beer. Um, we also like to have uh, a a glass of red wine for me and Trey to split. Drew doesn't ever, he does sometimes, but that's really for me and Trey to split. Not because we wouldn't want to give Drew any of the wine, just because he doesn't like it as much as us. And we put our, uh, we put our red wine over ice because we're trashy. So, yeah, me and Trail split the wine. Then we've got the Miller. Used to, there was two packs of Camel Filter cigarettes, and now we don't smoke anymore. And that also was not because, hey, we require that you buy our cigarettes. Because, by the way, all of this comes out of, like, a gratuity or, or like, a there's a something fun. Like, technically, we're paying for it because, like... You they get you get a certain budget for shit like that, so it's not like we're just saying, "Hey, give us all this stuff for free." Like it's technically coming out of our travel buyout, you know. Understand that, but the reason that we would have them get the cigarettes is because often we were coming in from a plane or right off the road, and like we literally just didn't have time to stop and get them. And that's a lot of and, and and for the record too, we're talking about theaters here. When it comes to comedy clubs, we don't they don't have to get us any of this because comedy clubs serve food. Um, they will often get us the tray of fruit anyways, but like we just get the beer from the comedy club. They're already selling it. But like theaters, you know, oftentimes they've got a separate deal with the booze and it's licensing and it's all this stuff. So we just like to have that prepared in case because sometimes theaters don't sell shit. Which is not fun. Well, by God, that's three questions and thirty minutes. I think that we uh, that we all know. Um, here's the thing: the next <laughs> the next question. I'll go ahead and and, uh, and tee it up for the next time. The next question is great. It's from Matt Malin or Matt Malin. What is the best comedic advice you've ever received, and what was the worst? That alone is going to take me thirty minutes. So let's just consider this part one. I really appreciate the questions. Like I said, there's 36 questions. We just got to three in 30 minutes. So, like, this might take me a while, but I'm having a lot of fun with it, and I really appreciate y'all asking the great questions. Thank you to everybody who subscribes to this Substack here at parttimefunnyman.com. Whether you be a paid subscriber or whether you be a free subscriber, you know I'm just happy that you are here. Um, cool announcement, uh, my my new special, which went from Amazon to Tubi, I'm about to just put that bitch up here on Substack for all of y'all. The full goddamn thing. I don't care. I don't even know if legally I'm allowed to do that. But guess what? I'm going to do it just for y'all. Uh, so expect that probably next week uh, for that to come out on here and of course continue to expect park rants essays all that good stuff thank you all for being here and remember if you want to make a one-time donation pbs style to the program you can use paypal and buttercreamcory at gmail.com love y'all i'll talk to you later be cool out there baby skew